But tonight, I'm going to talk to you about stories. Stories. How many of you guys loved story time when you were little? Yes, I love story time. Why? Because I was a fat kid. And I'll tell you why. Because I knew that when it was story time in class, it was snack time. Y'all know what I'm saying? You got to get your snack on when it's story time. You know what I mean? And I knew that at school, if it was story time and it was snack time, I was going to get Oreos. You know what I mean? Every fat kid loves Oreos. You know what I mean? But here is the problem. I went to a private school and I knew that we were on a budget because it ain't a public school system. This is my money paying for those Oreos. So I should get more than two cookies. But they gave me two cookies. And I'm five years old, weighing in at about 185 pounds. And that's a lie. I was like, not that much. But I really was fat. And uh, I'm this fat little kid. And I'm sitting in kindergarten or first grade, whichever. It was all yesterday. So I'm sitting there in class. And man, I'm excited because I'm about to get Oreos. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Oreos. Some good stuff. And I sit down and I'm all up close to the teacher. And story time is just incredible. And I remember looking around and I'm like, man, that kid ain't going to eat two Oreos. Man, I can eat seven. I can eat 20. I can eat the whole sleeve. I can eat everything. And I, I mean, it could have been right after lunch and I still want me some Oreos. And I'm sitting there and I was a big kid, like I said. And man, you know what? When you're a big kid, you live for food. And so I'm sitting there and I'm just like, man, I got to save these Oreos because I don't want to get all the way into story time and realize that I ain't got no more Oreos left. And then Bryce over here has got two left. Mm-mm. So I'm going to save these two Oreos. So I save them, I save them, I save them. And I'm just looking at them the whole time. I can't even focus on the story because I'm just looking at these Oreos and it's like, oh my gosh, I want those Oreos so bad. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm, I'm a big kid. And so, we, you know, it's private school, so we had to tuck our shirts in. And man, big kids, you can't, you can't breathe when that tur- shirt's tucked in. It's bad. Like you can't breathe. Like your stomach's protruding and you just want that food so bad. And all of a sudden I finally ate it. And I had waited so long. And we were five minutes into the story. And they're gone. And I love Oreos. I love snack time. I love story time. Why did I tell you that? Because tonight I'm going to talk to you about stories. You know who the greatest storyteller is? God. Yes. Not you, but close. God. Not even close. I'll get into that. God is the greatest storyteller. He has so many stories in his Bible. It's incredible. We got your action stories. We talk about Samson. Think about Samson. This mug takes, I say mug because I'm from Alabama, so y'all, y'all like that. Mug from Alabama. This dude's got Bama bangs, I see. So I got this mug, this mug, he's got the jawbone of a donkey. The jawbone of a donkey. That thing's like that big. And he kills not, not a hundred men. Mm-mm, that's too easy. That's practice. Not 500 men, but 1,000 men with the jawbone of a donkey. That's beast right there. The jawbone of a donkey. I just imagine like Rocky coming in there and just wrecking shop with that jawbone. Y'all know what I'm talking, talking about? Yo, Adrian, I just killed 1,000 men. You know, Or Delilah because it's Samson. I just, don't cut my hair. That's a different story. Or maybe it was like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, get to the chopper. But it was like, get to the camels. Because his Bible days. You know what I mean? Anyway, so, I, just, I mean, it's great. You got your action stories. You got your, your uh, rags to riches stories. 
You got David. This mug. I have, I picture David as this southern redneck kid sitting out in the back of his truck, but a sheep because they didn't have trucks sitting back there looking at his sheep, just chilling out, just like, man, this is awesome. Man, I'm out here down here by the river just looking at my sheep, you know what I mean? All of a sudden his dad comes out there, David, boy, go check on them brothers. Go check on them brothers down at the war. And he goes down there. And in a moment, a simple moment that he followed God, he inherited the entire kingdom because he slayed Goliath. You got your rags to riches stories. It's incredible the stories that God has. But today, I'm not going to talk about that kind of story. No, no. Please roll that song for me. Today, I'm going to talk about, and if you don't like this song, A, you're not a man. And if you're a girl, that's a good thing. Or you just got to love this song. Okay, y'all know the Taylor Swift song, Love Story? Today, I'm going to talk about love stories. Love stories, baby, just say yes. It's a love story right here. I got my love story with me today. I'm going to talk about love stories. But you know what? The first, the very first story ever told, the very first story ever told was a love story. And I'm going to prove it to you right here. If you got your Bibles with you, scream. I heard a lot of screaming and I see like two Bibles in this room. Oh, okay. Okay. Technology. Technology. It says in Genesis 1:26, God spoke, "Let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature, so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of earth." God created human beings. This is the part you got to listen to. This is so good. If you'll just get this one part, God created human beings. He created them God-like, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. God blessed them, prosper, reproduce, fill earth, take charge, be responsible for fish in the sea and birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. You see, I came to tell you a love story today. So follow me, Genesis 2, verse 5. At the time God made earth and heaven, before any grasses or shrubs had sprouted from the ground... God hadn't yet sent rain on the earth, nor was there anyone around to work the ground. The whole earth was watered by underground springs. God formed man out of dirt from the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life. The man came alive, a living soul. God took dirt from the earth. He picked it up and he held it in his hand and he blew breath into the dirt. And you were formed. All of us were formed out of dirt. If God can make us out of dirt, God can do anything. God can do anything. And so today I came to tell you about a love story. So let me tell you about this love story. It all started in the garden when God created Adam. Now Adam, it says in the Bible that he was getting a little lonely and he was just chilling. But can you imagine being Adam? He literally had a relationship with God that he could walk with God in the garden. Can you imagine? The God, the man that created, or not the man, the God that created you, you can literally walk side by side with your creator. Can you imagine that? Someone, he said he created him God like he, which means we were at first created to walk with God, to speak with God, to look God in the eyes physically. Can you imagine? Some of us in the church, we get real churchy. Y'all talk to God lately. I wanted to look at him when I was little and be like, no! I haven't talked to God lately. 
He's up there. How would I talk to God? Adam literally walked and talked with God. Can you imagine that? But it says Adam was getting a little lonely. He was needing him some female. You know what I mean? And so it says God created the woman. Now get this. In the Bible, it doesn't just say that they were naked. Because they were. Mm. It doesn't just say that they were naked. It says that they were naked and they had no shame. What does that tell me? I don't know if this is the churchy answer. But that means they look good. They had no shame. They were naked and they looked good. So I can just imagine Adam going around. Yeah, let me tend to these sheep over here, Eve. Let me grab this. Let me grab this sheep real quick. Let me just grab the sheep and walk it over here. Can you imagine? Like, they had no shame. They were good looking folks. God did it right the first time. You know what I mean? And so here comes Eve walking around and she's just like, hey, Adam, uh, let me just let me just pick this apple for you. Y'all are perverted because there wasn't any sin then either. Get the sin out of your mind. Mm. So what am I saying? This great story. And they're walking with God and they had a personal relationship with God. How incredible would it be to have a one-on-one relationship with God, walking with him in the evenings, in the cool of the evenings? See, I'm talking to you tonight about a love story. I'm talking to you tonight about a love story. And one of these nights that Adam and Eve and God are walking around, God just happens to look over. And sometimes we get this image of God as Nate. Do this or die. It's not like that. It's out of love. See, I'm talking about a love story. God looks over at Adam and Eve as he's walking in the garden with him. He says, I've given you the entire world. I've given you everything I could ever give you. You have everything. It's all yours. Yours to name. Yours to inhabit the earth. You can do anything you want. But this one thing you can't do. And they're just like, you know what? Like, and God's like, that tree over there, it's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God says, the only thing you cannot do is eat the fruit of that tree. And can you imagine, like, you've got this whole earth. You're walking with God. You're walking with your creator. I can imagine Adam's like, all right. Why are you even telling me this? Like, cool, I ain't going to eat the tree. I don't even like fruit anyway. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not a big deal. And so <laughs> he's, he's walking. And, and they kind of take it light, I guess, because... It says later that Eve came up and met a serpent. And we'll pick up in Genesis 3. It says, the serpent told the woman, you won't die. God knows that the moment you eat from that tree, you'll see what's really going on. You'll be just like God, knowing everything, ranging all the way from good to evil. When the woman saw that the tree looked like good eating and realized what she would get out of it, she'd know everything. Everything. Pause. Stop. What just happened there? The serpent came up to Eve. This snake, the slithering snake, came up and talked. That's weird. I'd be a little freaked out if a snake came up to me and just started talking to me. But the serpent came up to Eve and she said, What are you doing? And she said, You know, I'm doing my daily things. Well, why are you not eating of that tree? Because my best friend, God, you know, he's my homeboy. He told me not to. Why? I don't know. He just told me not to. Well, I think he's hiding something from you. I think he's hiding all the knowledge you need to take over the world. I think he's hiding the one thing that you don't know. The one thing that you don't know. Do you think 
you think he's for you, why won't he tell you? Why won't he tell you what it is? And Eve gets curious. It says, she took and ate the fruit and then gave some to her husband. And he ate. Messed up. Right there, we messed up. And it says, immediately the two of them did see what's really going on. Saw themselves naked. See, before, they saw themselves naked. But now, they saw themselves naked. You know what I mean? Like, Adam was like, you know, before it's like, yeah, she looks good. But now it's like, that girl looks too good. This can't be good. You know what I mean? And so they sewed fig leaves together as makeshift clothes for themselves. When they heard the sound of God strolling in the garden in the evening breeze, the man and his wife hid in the trees of the garden, hid from God. God called to the man, where are you? And from that point on, God's been searching for us ever since. You see, I got my storybook here because I'm talking about a love story. And the first part of the story was creation. And see, God had all these plans. He had all these plans written out. A beautiful story of life where me and you, me and you in the future now, could live with God as a friend. Physically, spiritually, and emotionally. But we messed up. But let me, let me get back to the story because this is a love story. You see, did you know that you're in the book? Did you know that you're in this book? I promise you are. I really promise you are. I got the book right here. I know you are. You're in the book. See, the story of, insert name here. You're there. You're in the book. And I'll prove it to you. In Psalms 139, 13 through 16, it says, <coughs> Oh yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, your breathtaking body and soul. I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Wait, because this is where it gets good. Like an open book, you watched me grow <coughs> from conception to birth like an open book you watched me grow from conception to birth i got my book here this is a love story i'm going to get back to it all the stages of my life were spread out before you the days of my life all prepared before i'd even lived one day can i tell you something tonight he's already written your story down Everything that you are to do in this life, he's already got it. Everything you've already done, he knows. He knows everything about you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows <coughs> the bone structure you have. He knows everything physically about you, emotionally about you. He knows your thoughts. He knows everything, your worries, your cares. And let me tell you something. He knows every embarrassing moment that you've ever had. Let me tell you something. As I told you before, when I was a child, I was a large child. As I grew older into my younger teenage years, I continued to be large only on a larger scale. I guess you could call me skinny challenge because I was an extremely fat kid. And you know what the most embarrassing, humiliating, worst years of my life were? Middle school. Oh my gosh. 
middle school is the most awkward time of your life. Some of you may be in school. I hated middle school. But you know what the worst part of middle school was? Middle school gym. It's already tragic enough that I got to go in there and change in front of people. Oh, my gosh. You have no idea. I wanted to throw up the first time I had to change in front of people. I was so insecure. I was the fattest kid I knew. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm that fat kid on the block that's just like, oh, my gosh, that kid's fat. Like, I can't believe how fat that kid is. It was ridiculous. And so I go into middle school gym. And the first day of school, we were told, we got to do the mile test. I don't, I, the only place I run is to the fridge. Like, that's the only place I run. Like, I am hungry right now. Like, as I'm, as I'm doing this, and all of a sudden, I get this overwhelming sweat on me. Because I was fat, and I sweat a lot. I really do. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm sweating in gym class. I'm about to cry. It's my first day in new school, seventh grade. And I'm just like, oh, my God, no. I can't run the mile. I don't even know how to run. And so I get all the way home that night, and I look at my dad. And I'm like, Dad, I got I to gotta run the mile. I got I to gotta run the mile. And he's like, you'll be fine, son. And kids, you know parents have this way of making you feel, feel like better about yourself. Lying. That's what it is. It's a lie. You know what I'm talking about? And they're like, you can, you can, you know, you can do it. You can run that. I believe in you. And I'm going, okay, okay, I will. And so the next day, or not the next day, later in the semester, I hear the next day is the mile run. And I am scared out of my mind. I couldn't sleep that night. I was so scared. I got up the next morning and I'm on the way to school with my dad and my dad Looks over at me. He can tell I'm nervous because I'm eating like crazy. I've got candy bars. I mean, I mean, seriously, like I'm thinking like maybe like I know athletes like they eat a ton like before the race for carbs. Man, I'm going to carb up. I'm going to carb up. I got my I got my Snickers bar sitting there. Eat hungry. Like get big. Nate. You know what I mean? I got that mile run today. And I'm thinking to myself, if I can just get like 12 minutes, I'm good. If I can just get 12 minutes, I want to be average. That's it. I remember my dad looking at me. How funny is it like when your dad has to look at you and he goes, son, like, just don't get last place. Thank you for believing in me, father. Don't get last place. But at the time I was like, okay, okay. Like I won't, I won't get last place. And so I'm getting ready and I'm thinking, I know that there's only one kid fatter than me in my gym class. His name is Cody Stutter and he better be there today because I'm going to beat him. And I'm going to be average and nobody's going to know how slow I am because everybody's going to be looking at Cody and laughing. And I'm going to turn around. Oh, Cody, you're so slow. And he's right behind me. And it's going to be great because I'm not going to be last. So I'm getting prepped for my run. And I'm just like, come on, come on, let's go. I'm so excited. And get out there. And he says, go. And we go. But like through like, and I'm running hard, guys. Like, I mean, sweat's flinging off me. And it's like burning other kids' eyes because of the salt content. I mean, it's gross. It's so gross. But I mean, I'm running. I'm running. And it, I mean, time, it feels like it's been like two minutes. And it's been like ten. And like, I'm running, I'm running. I'm coming around the last lap. And I notice that Cody is nowhere to be seen because he didn't come to school that day. And I'm the only kid left on the track because everybody else is sitting in the bleachers watching. And you know, like that feeling, like maybe you don't, maybe this is me. But that feeling like when you're the reason for someone's good sportsmanship award, 
You know what I mean? Like you never want to be the reason for someone's good sportsmanship award. And so like I'm running this mile and this kid like this kid's like, I mean, he's Mr. Athlete. Like he's got abs. We're like we're like 14. Like where the heck do you get abs? Like do you surgically put those in there? What the heck? Like he's got his shirt off. That's not even allowed at school. Like and I'm looking at him like I'm loathing him as he's running next to me. And he's going, he's going, oh my gosh, man, you can do it, man. You can do it. You can do it. And by the time the whole gym class starts chanting my name. No one wants their name chanted when you're in last place. Why did I tell you that story? Why that stupid story? I did. I, it was bad. Anyway, why did I tell you that story? Because God knows your most embarrassing moments. And if I can get serious for a second, I'm trying to tell you a love story. You see, God doesn't only know your most embarrassing moments, but the little times where you were hurt and the little things that people said about you. He knows those too. And in the Bible, it says that God not only knows about him, but he wept over them. He saw you when that person said that thing about you. He saw you when your dad talked down to you. Maybe if you were abused as a child, he saw that. Maybe, maybe it wasn't physical abuse. Maybe your mom just treated you like you were your dad. And maybe your dad didn't stay around too often. Maybe you were physically abused, but maybe it wasn't beating you. Maybe someone inappropriately touched you. I don't know what went on in your life, but all I know is that God wrote your story and he wept over it. Because I'm telling you a love story tonight. You see, I'm talking about a love story. Right here, it says in this book, is... It's not only your story, but can I tell you something shocking? He has unbelievable plans for you. They're written all throughout here. He has unbelievable plans for you. And I'll prove it to you. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. He has these Beautiful plans for you drawn out. They've been written since before you were born. Did you know that he cared about you? Because I'm telling a love story tonight. Did you know that he truly does care about you? Every single one of you. He has plans for you. Every single part of your life has been written out. And it's beautiful. And it's plans to prosper. And there's hope in everything. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what you're going through. He has hope for you. But the problem is, is some of us don't stick to the plan. You see, he's built these beautiful plans and he's drawn out this incredible book. But the problem is, is we let little things write our story for us. And it makes God have to rewrite the story. You see what I'm saying? Maybe it's a girl or a boy. See, I get it. Some of you guys play sports. I know what it's like being in the locker room. Say your name's Jimmy. We'll say it because... I don't know a lot of your names. Say your name's Jimmy. You're standing over by your locker. You know, you're unashamed like Adam in the locker room. You're standing here. And one of the guys looks over and says, Hey, Jimmy, I saw you doing work over there with Sarah today at your locker. You know what I mean? Now, there's that time. There's that time where you can stop and you can turn and you can say, Nah, man, nah, man, it's cool. Or there's that time where you can say, 
I'm not only doing work, but I got the job and I'm working overtime too. You know what I'm saying? There's that time. And I know some of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you're not so bold as to say something like that, but maybe you've been in a situation like that with a girl. Girls, maybe, just maybe you thought you loved a guy. And maybe you got your heart broken. But see, God's up here and he's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. When you get in situations that maybe you go a little too far with someone and he's saying, whoa, I have a plan for you. Do you know what I have planned for you? Do you have any idea the beautiful plans I have for you to prosper you? Have you any idea? He's looking at you girls and he's saying, my princess, if you knew the prince charming that I had for you. And he's looking at you guys and he's saying, dude, if you knew how I'm going to bless you, you wouldn't even you wouldn't even mess with this. And he's looking at you and he's saying and you're saying, you know what, God, it's just it's just one night. It's just one night in the back seat. It's just one little screw up. We didn't go all the way. It's just one little mess up. Or maybe you did go all the way. And God says, "Okay." And he comes over to your plan. Because see, right here, these unbelievable plans, they're not set in stone. And he says, if you knew, if you knew what it cost for me to rewrite this, if you knew the cost, it might be different. If you knew the plans. But he says, okay. And he takes a pen and he erases part of the plan. And he makes room for your sin. But maybe, just maybe, it's not a girl or a guy. Maybe it's drugs or alcohol. Maybe it's something little, something that doesn't really matter. I'm just taking one drink. Maybe you go to a party. Maybe you just want to be cool. And you end up in the wrong place at the wrong time. But you know, inside your heart, you're not supposed to be there. You're not supposed to be there. And God's saying, stop, stop, turn around. I'm right here. I'm right here. If you knew, do you know what I'm going to do for you? Do you know how influential you are? Because a lot of the times you don't. But maybe if you did the right thing, you would. Because a lot of the times God's saying, whoa, 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 as we walk into these parties. And we're like, what's up, dude? What's up, man? And he's going for that drink. And we pick it up and God says, do you know the plans I have for you? Don't do it because I got huge, huge plans for you. You don't understand it, but they're so big. They're so great. Did you know? And you take a sip. And it's on from there. And you know what you just became? When you did that, you became normal. You became normal. And God says in Romans 12 too, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Your story. Did you know I was talking about a love story tonight? Did you know that I'm talking about the fact that He loves you? You're saying it's just one drink, God. And he says, I know it's just one drink. But when you drank that drink, you gave everybody the right to do it. And maybe you were the person that was going to stop it in your high school. Maybe you were the person I was going to use. Maybe you were the one who was going to lead something for me. 
Okay. I still love you. I still love you. This plan, you, we were going to see revival at your school. Your youth group was going to explode because you were going to change something in your high school that was so detrimental, so crazy, so out of this world. But you want to be normal, okay? And he takes the pen and he changes it. And he said, if you knew what it took to change your plan, if you knew what it took, and he writes it out. Maybe drugs or alcohol isn't your thing. Maybe you're insecure like I was. Can I tell you that God made you beautiful the way you are? And if you walk in a confidence in him, it shows. Did you know that God looks at you as his prized possession? Girls, did you know that you're special in his eyes? That when he looks at you, he says, that's my princess. He says, that's my princess, that I'm going to raise up and turn into an incredible warrior, that I'm going to raise up. Do you know the plans I have for you? Obviously not, or else you wouldn't make yourself throw up. Because you don't know how beautiful you are. And he's looking, and he's tears, tears. You remember, he weeps over you. He knows you hurt. And you're standing there in front of the toilet, and you're making yourself throw up. And you don't realize how beautiful you are. Maybe you just can't take the pressure. Maybe you can't take what's going on at school. Maybe your family sucks. Maybe you're going through some junk at home that no one seems to understand. And maybe you feel like the only person that could ever feel your pain is you. And you make the small decision to take a razor blade And cut your wrist. Why? Because it gives you some form of relief. But can I tell you that every time you cut that wrist, a little bit of sorrow wells up in there. And it's there as a scar. Because God's weeping over you. And God's saying, what are you doing? Did you know that I had plans for you? Did Did you know how great I have you being? Did you know how beautiful you are? Did you know that I know it's tough right now, but right here in your book, I promise you to prosper and I've given you hope. But okay, I love you. And if you knew what it took to rewrite this book, if you just knew what it took, but wait, maybe I'm missing part of the story. Pastor Keith, I'm sorry. I've missed part of the story. Pastor Alex, I'm sorry. I've missed part of the story because I forgot to tell you what happened for you to rewrite your story. You see, it didn't come easy. It didn't come easy. It started out, everyone knows about Jesus. But Jesus, as he walked into the garden, because remember it started in the garden with creation This is a love story. Let me remind you, it's a love story. It started in the garden and it continued in the garden. Because as Jesus one day realized that God's story for his life was on the line and he looked up to heaven and he said, God, I know I'm going to die. And if there's any way you can rewrite my story, please somehow rewrite my story And God had to look at him, his only son, and say, Nope, 
Nope. Because everyone else has to get their story wrote and everyone else has to rewrite their stories. And I got to rewrite everyone else's stories. I'm sorry. It's the only choice I have. I'm sorry. And he turned away from his only son. And as Jesus laid in that garden weeping, knowing that what was about to happen to him was barbaric, knowing that what was about to happen to him was out of this world misery, he sweat blood because of the strain. He sweat blood for you. And you know what he said? It's okay because I'm going to get to rewrite your story. And he was dragged away. But as he was dragged away, he realized that one of his own 12 disciples was coming up to him. And he had he knew that one of his disciples was going to betray him. And it's Judas, this disciple who was so misguided, walked up. He came up and with a kiss, a kiss, a sign of love, he gave away his Lord and Savior. But you know what I realized? You know what I realized? Is that isn't that what we do on Friday nights? We give God a kiss and then on Saturday nights we betray him. Isn't that what we do? And we're here talking about Judas. Isn't that what we do? But hold on, it's going to get better because I'm talking about a love story. And as Jesus is dragged away, he's tortured. His beard is ripped from his face. And worship team, or Nicole, if I can have you come up. His beard is ripped from his face. He's bleeding. He's crying. And he looks up to God and he can't see anything. Because God can't, his own father can't even look at him. And he says, but it's okay. Because we can rewrite your story. And as he's going down on the whipping post, and they've got him there, and they have the cat of nine tails, which is a whip that has glass and pottery and everything else inside of it. And they take it back, and these Roman guards, these heartless Roman guards, pull back the whip and slam it into his body with every piece of glass and pottery digging into his skin and it ripping out. He says, it's okay. Because this is a love story and I got to rewrite yours. Because this is a love story. And he pains and pain and pain is going through his body and he doesn't know how to stop it. And he's crying and he's weeping and he's and he's it's hopeless. It's hopeless. And at that very moment, he realizes he has to carry a cross, but he's happy to because this is a love story. It's a love story. And he's going up on the cross. And he's going and he's going. He's climbing this hill with this huge cross attached to his shoulder. And he's weeping. And every bit of his body has been ripped apart. And he gets to the top of the hill and he says, It's okay because now we can rewrite your story. Because it's a love story. And he gets. And as they drive the single nails into his body, he screams. And he breathes and he says, it's okay because this is a love story. Are you following me? And as he's raised upon that cross and he holds out his arms, we realize what he's trying to say. Because did you notice that Jesus never 
was stoned? Did you notice that he was never beaten to death? Did you notice that he held out throughout that long whipping? Why? Why didn't you just die, God? If you would have died at that very moment, it would have been over. It would have been over and you still could have saved us. Why? Oh, I'll tell you why. Because this is a love story. And the last thing Jesus needed to do to show you how much he loved you and how absolutely fascinated he was with you. That no matter what you've done, the love that he has for you is everlasting. You know what he had to do? He had to hold his arms up and he had to say, I love you this much. I love you this much. Tears rolling down his face. He looked at you and he said, it's okay because I'm going to rewrite your story. I'm going to rewrite your story. Would you stand with me? See, tonight, some of us have been scarred. But can I tell you something that's a little bit encouraging? You remember in the garden at the beginning of the story when God said, I breathe life into you. I breathe life into that dust. Remember when we messed it up? Yeah. We had to breathe life into it again. And you know what's cool about it? It says in the Bible that Jesus took one last breath. And you know what that did? It breathed life back into your story. That one last breath breathed life back into your story. Beautiful, beautiful life. But some of us are messing up every single day and it's killing. Because God's looking down and he's saying, if you knew what I did for your story, if you knew the price that had to be paid for your story, if you knew what it was like for my son to be ripped apart for your story. But it's okay. Because it's a love story. And he loves you this much tonight some of you are sitting here and we're thinking to ourselves i've screwed up big time god i i've messed up so bad i've gotten all these mistakes i've messed up with a girl or maybe i've drank or maybe it's not even that maybe it's something simple but i know i'm not right with you and god says it's okay because because you're looking at god and you're saying god why why do you still love me because god's saying i gotta rewrite your story some of you in this room maybe you've done something maybe you're just not living for God but can I tell you tonight that he can rewrite your story if you're in this room and God told me that you needed to know that he loved you because if you're in this room and you've messed up or maybe you've never given your story to God if you're in this room If you're in this room and you need one chance to rewrite your story, God says, I've got a whole book of open pages for you. And if you're in this room and you need to rewrite your story, would you raise your hand? It doesn't matter what anybody else is thinking. It doesn't matter because at the very end, all that matters is that God loves the heck out of you. 
And this is a love story, remember? It's a love story. Right now, if you raise your hands, would you come up to the front? Can I get all my leaders to come up in front as well? Because, see, tonight is a special night because God's sitting in heaven and he's saying, tonight you become mine again. Tonight, I rewrite your story. Something so special. I've got such huge plans for you. Dude, he's got such huge plans for you. Do you know how great you are? Because he does. And he's got such huge plans for you. Do you know that you're a princess? Do you know that you're a princess? Because he's got such huge plans for you. And if you're down here tonight, would you repeat after me? God, I've messed up. Maybe I haven't been so loyal. Maybe I've messed up big. But tonight, I give you my story. And I give you the pen. And I give you control of my life. God, come into my heart and rock my world. Get ready, because we're not done. Tonight, some of you need a fresh touch from God. Something, some of you need something so special that maybe you've never felt love before. Maybe your father didn't show you love. Can I tell you, you got a daddy up in heaven who wants to come down and hug you tonight? Can I tell you that the Holy Spirit is ready to come down and rock your world tonight because this is a love story. And it's real. It's not some fairy tale. It's real. God wants to rock your world. God wants to rock your world. And if you let him, he might just love you in a real way. If you're desperate for an encounter with God tonight, will you raise your hands? When I count to three, my leaders or the leaders are going to go out and they're going to lay hands on you. And it's going to get so real. If you're expecting, now don't do this if you don't want an encounter with God because He's so real. His Spirit is so real and He wants to love you. He wants to love every single part of you. Because it's real and this is a love story. But if you want God tonight, when I count to three, I want you to lift your hands up and say, God, breathe life into me. If you want God tonight, I want you to lift your hands up when I count to three and say, God, breathe life into me. At that moment, leaders will start praying. Do not do this if you don't want to give God your story. Because I'm tired of God getting his heart broken. Because he loves you so much and it's a love story. Don't turn it into a tragedy. And on the count of three, if you want God, throw your hands up and say, God, breathe life into me. One, two, three. As loud as you can, God, breathe life into me. Leaders, let's start praying.